Welcome into today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and today it is Tuesday, July 28th. We are rounding the corner to Saints training camp. It's hard to believe the time has already come. I feel like we have been in off season for three years now, so it's time to get Saints football back and rolling today. As I mentioned on today's show, we will be hearing from Wong Kincaid from Fox 8. We'll be hearing from Amy Just, reporter with NOLA.com, and finally Mike Triplett from ESPN as we uh, approach Saints training camp. We'll hear from Saints general manager today, Mickey Loomis, at 5 p.m. So that will be available on NewOrleansSaints.com if you happen to hear this before that happens. If not, you can, of course, always watch it on NewOrleansSaints.com on demand. Guys, we haven't talked in a while because, frankly, we haven't really known what to expect over the last few months. Um, but with so much news coming out today and yesterday with the Miami Marlins, and now you have NFL players opting out um, from the season. Can, can someone just give me some general direction of your thoughts going into, I guess, the start of the NFL season today? Mike, we'll start with you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've thought all along that even though the season is counting down so close that it's still a tremendous amount of time between now and, and week one and so many unknowns. And, and one thing that I've been saying a lot in these radio interviews and stuff over the last month or two is we're going to see what happens with other sports first, uh, baseball and, and the NBA. Now the NBA is in a bubble, so it's a little different, but it, if, if baseball was a big success, I think that would have paved the way for the NFL to have a ton of optimism. Uh, so the, the Marlins news is, is a little, uh, you know, take, takes a little step back, and we'll find out if that's sort of an isolated incident that only happens once or twice, or if it's the beginning of a lot of outbreaks and, and concerns about pro sports. So uh, it's, it's just a reminder that they can be as careful as possible, and the NFL is going to have every resource available to them, um, but the uncertainty is, is as much as ever. Juan, you can go ahead and follow uh, I'm going to go back a little further than that. I'm going to go back to the soccer league. Soccer season is over in Europe. Germany started first. The reason why I do that, because I'm comparing physical sport to physical sport and large teams versus obviously a larger situation in the NFL and how that was really the first opportunity for American professional leagues to, to kind of see what it would take to open up a major sports league and do it safely. We haven't heard hardly anything from England and Germany about uh, COVID cases. I'm sure they've had some, but not at the measure like what Major League Baseball went through yesterday over the last weekend with 12 players and two coaches with one team. So um, I think th there there is a diagram out there on how to do this the right way. Major League Baseball did not follow it, which surprises me because at the beginning of all of this, they were the ones that were talking about having a bubble in Arizona. And all of a sudden they say, you know what, let's not do that. And this is go back to going to each other's cities, and we see where that's gotten them. I think the NFL, by putting themselves, I guess, in a bit of a bubble and, and keeping it that way, and uh, I think that's going to be the safe way to go because other leagues have taken that approach and it's been successful. So, But I still think there's so much we don't know going forward. Obviously, we don't even know how training camp is going to start off here uh, this week and, and go forward with that. So there's a lot more that we don't know, and I believe the NFL will play this year, um, but I think it's they're not going to be in a rush to play. Amy, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so keeping things a little closer to home here with college football. Uh, obviously, they're not playing any games yet, but you've seen 14 or 
15 uh, teams around the country who've shut down their practices or paused their workouts because of COVID outbreaks with their team. And, and they're not even playing games yet. They're just focusing within themselves. And I think that shows that, yes, college rosters are a lot bigger than NFL rosters, but it still shows that it's hard to contain this thing, um, especially when you're not in a bubble and you can still go out and do things and you have to be trusted to be diligent and stay home and practice safe social distancing. But even then, you know, sometimes uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to predict what this virus is going to do. So oh, that's my look at it, you know, with college football here, LSU, they had, to, they had a lot of cases too. Now they didn't stop all of their workouts, but, and that's really close to home. So it'll be interesting to see how the NFL can contain this, especially since they're not in a bubble. You know, sometimes a player just wants to go get some chicken wings. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> There's something wrong with that? No, Come on now. No, no, Juan, we are not getting into that. <laughs> Come on now, nothing wrong with that. So, well, we will touch on, on basketball a little bit because I want to bring in the perspective of J.J. Redick whenever he, at the beginning of this bubble situation, um, was talking about, you know, there's nothing comfortable about this situation because of the so social injustice that's going on in the world because of COVID-19. And so there's no necessarily um, comfortable sense, even if you are in a bubble. Um, but, you know, I was listening to Get Up this morning and Greeny was talking about um, you know, so, so much is unknown and people are just going to have to be comfortable with figuring it out along the way. So uh, my question to you guys is, if you were a player, coaches, if you were in this situation, how much comfortability is there in figuring it, a lot, figuring it out on the way? I think, well, I think trust. It, yeah, tr trust is the exact word I was going to use too. I mean, uh, uh, and, and I think that that was at the heart of the NFL and NFLPA discussions with each other. They wanted to trust that their best interests are at heart and, and that they have a contingency plan. I, I think you feel that around the Saints, that there's a lot of confidence, um, you know, in Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and, and, and you know, that they're going to do the right thing when it's called on and, um you know, there was enough, I guess, coming out of the NFL, NFLPA discussions for them to reach an agreement on time. But, but I'll let Juan continue because trust was the exact word I was looking for. I think they know they have to prepare for the unexpected and they want to trust that the, the people leading them, you know, when these hurdles come up are going to have their best interests at heart. I think if you go back to the Pelicans, I think of what JJ was saying and something he didn't say, which is kind of, I think, understood. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in this whole situation, no matter what league you're playing in. You have to go in with the understanding that it's not going to be a normal season, no matter what league you're playing in. It's not going to be a normal situation around the team. Um, everyone has to be disciplined. Everyone has to be on the same page from the players to the support staff to the person opening the door at the arena or the practice facility letting them in. We all, they all have to be on the same page. And if one person is not, it could screw it up for the entire team. But yeah, trust is the biggest thing here. And players have to trust that their league is doing everything they can to make playing again, or at least getting back together again as safe as possible. I do believe if these players are in a bubble and everyone's on the same page, they are safer being around each other than they are being away from each other and coming back to be around each other. So again, it's a trust factor. Do you trust that your commissioner, that your league, 
that uh, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver are doing the right thing and doing everything in their power to make this a safe return to basketball, to football, to whatever. If you feel comfortable with that, again, be comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's never going to be perfect this season. But you have to get to a level mentally, I think. And I think this is more about mental than physical. These guys physically will be ready to play. They're athletes. They can get there. But is their mind going to be set at ease by what's, what's taking place leading up to them getting back together? That's the most important part, I think. Amy. We might have lost Amy. All right. On to the next one. That's the – We need to be able to roll. We need to be able to roll with it. There she is. We, we, Work from we, home. We're dealing we had with to it. expect the unexpected. Losing Amy, we, me and Juan, and Caroline, we need to be able to handle this. It's a it COVID, is, a COVID it casualty. It is what we're it gonna is. Put, we're going to put Amy on uh, on a list until she's available to come back into the call. <laughs> I'm on the reserve terrible internet list. Um, for me, this is like the ultimate group project, right? Like – Everybody has to do their part. And if one person doesn't, everyone fails. And that's the best analogy I've got for it. Um, me personally, I'm a planner. So this has been really hard for me. And I know NFL players, they're all planners too. So working through that, you know, we're, we're not going to know how things are going to go. You know, we might have to you know, postpone a game because other teams or even us, you know, we, uh, I'm losing my mind, guys. I haven't seen people in too long. Um, but you like, you know, Mike and Juan said, you have to expect the unexpected and that's going to be a big mental hurdle for a lot of people, I think, including us. Yeah, group projects stinks, stink. I think we all know that. But um, Juan, I'll start with you on this one. Are you a little bit more anxious than usual going into training camp um, with the perspective of rookies and their readiness for camp? Because there were no no OTAs, no rookie mini camp, no mini camp, really nothing. Uh, players were just, you know, Sean Payton said very early in this whole thing that they were going to be expected to come to camp in the best shape of their lives. So are you a little bit more anxious than most years at the readiness of, of the newcomers? I think absolutely, because, you know, not having rookie mini camp, not having OTAs, not having a normal training camp, those are all killers for the rookies and the undrafted free agent guys that are just looking to get an opportunity to get some eyes on them. So it goes back to, especially for the college kids, it goes back to the film. You're hoping the film don't lie. The film gives you a bigger boost than what it normally does. Um, I mean, it almost is like, it's almost like pre-draft and the pre-draft workouts and the film they got from that, from those players on that and saying, okay, this is why we want this guy to be in the camp with us. But man, when you don't have the opportunity to have the OTAs and have the mini camps and the rookie mini camp and all that, that, that really puts you behind. I, this is, this is a bad year to be a guy coming out of the draft, coming out of college into the draft and getting drafted, or I'm sorry, not getting drafted and then trying to make your way on this football team. Bad year for that because you're not going to get a fighter's chance in this one. And I would like to think that not just the Saints, but all 32 NFL teams, GMs, head coaches, they know which players they want to keep before training camp even starts. They're hoping to be surprised by somebody in a short amount of time so that player number 78, 79, 80, if they bring 80 players to camp, 
then those three guys drop off and three guys drop in because they're surprised by someone that they weren't expecting. But man, you've really got to, you have a short amount of time as a young player um, to, to make your way and get eyes on you and have the coaches say, you know what? We know less about this player than the num player number 80 on the roster, but we think we should take a chance on this guy because maybe something better will come out of him than number 80 on the roster. Mm -hmm. Tough, tough year for those guys to come out. Amy and Mike, I'll ask you a different version of the question. Um, Juan, it sounded like your pizza rolls were ready in the microwave there with the baking. <laughs> um, Amy and, and Mike, Mike, I'll let you go first. How much more of an advantage are the Saints? Um, how much more of an advantage do they have having such little turnover on their team and having such a veteran roster? Yeah, I mean, you have to think that's going to be huge for them. Um, I mean, if you were going to make a short list of teams you think could, could, could go play a game in 10 days if they had to, the Saints would be on your short list. Uh, and I, I agree with Juan, this can be tough for people to make an impression that aren't, already aren't penciled into their list. Now, some undrafted rookies, they might have already be planning to reserve a spot for, uh, or, or Tommy Stevens, you know, who they uh, worked uh, so hard to keep away from the, the Panthers, even if they want to redshirt him. They might have plans for that. But, yeah, it's going to be tough for – for guys who aren't already penciled into their 53 to get on it. But I think 45 spots are probably solidified from guys who were on the team last year anyway, or, or free agents that they signed. This, this is a, you know, no big coaching changes, no changes to the offense, no big changes to the defense. Uh, I think we wonder about the transition at center, whether, whether it's Cesar Ruiz or, or whether he's moving to guard. But, I mean, contrast that to – in, the own, in their own division, the Carolina Panthers have a new quarterback. They're replacing Luke Keeley, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know how a team like that can catch up to teams like the Saints. Amy, go ahead. Mike said it best. They're, the Saints are in a really enviable position when compared to some of the other teams in the league, like the Panthers. And, and it's – it's still going to be hard for everybody just because it's going to be a learning curve for everyone involved because you're not going to be able to do the things that you maybe want to do or are accustomed to doing. So I think that's going to be a, you know, a hurdle for the saints. But again, that's one hurdle compared to several that a lot of other teams are going to be facing. You've all covered the Saints for long enough to know that Sean Payton is always looking for an edge, whatever that looks like. Do you think this is the most organic edge that he will ever be given on a silver platter? You know, I, I hear people talk about how, and I know Mike's talked just a second ago, and Amy, about this is an experienced team. If ever there was a year they can come back and just throw the ball out there and start playing, this is it. But I'm not so sure I agree with that because I think everyone's going through the same kind of struggle here and that there's a continuity issue. We've seen better Saints team. Well, we've seen good Saints teams in the past start really bad to the season um, and, and, and not find that continuity early on. I think not, not only does not having these pre-training camp workouts together affect the younger players, but players like Drew Brees getting time with Emmanuel Sanders, um, Cesar Ruiz seeing what he can do at center and guard against competition as opposed to going by the film tape. These are things we still have to find out. Um, they have a solid offensive line, a lot of veterans there, but you still have a question mark at right, at right guard. What are you going to do there? I mean, these are things you could have figured out in the OTAs and mini camps, but now you got to figure out in training camp. And so while the Saints have a veteran team coming back and yeah, they could go on the field and start playing right now, I don't think it 
automatically says they're going to be successful right away because, again, the division's gotten better as well. And, but everyone's facing the same thing. We don't have the pre-practice time together to come together to, to get into the training camp. So I, I, think, I think because it's such a different offseason, such a different season than we're about to face, I think it kind of levels the playing field. And, yeah, having a more, uh, a, a more tight unit will help you, but you still have to go on the field and do it on the field and play on the field and, and play it all out. And that's why I'm not so quick to jump on the Saints uh, bandwagon and say, okay, okay, 12 and 4 football team. Actually, Juan, what I was thinking was this way they are finally going to win in week one because they never oh, win in okay. week one. <laughs> the old way. Wait, you're gonna be, so you're saying they're going to beat Tom. Okay, well, you know. That's what I meant. They won in week one last year. It just I took know, a last-second field goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one yeah, could yeah. argue that this team is more equipped. I mean, I don't want to embrace debate here, Juan, and, and, you know, go into a heavyweight match here, but – you know, with, with the expertise of Drew and it being his last year and Sean and Mickey, they might be the most well-equipped team right now. I mean, Tom Brady, you would before you would say that him and Bill Belichick were the most equipped, but now Tom Brady is going to a completely new team with a completely new system and head coach. Yeah, but, but, but the challenges that, Brady, that Breeze and the team have are the same as Brady and his new team. They haven't been together to kind of get back on. I mean, I, I know the Saints have been together for a while now, but you still have to get that off-season workout in to get sharp again, you know? And the Saints have to do that. The, 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 the uh, Bucks have to do that with Tom Brady. In my opinion, offensively, I think the Bucks are more talented as an offense than the Saints are. But can they bring it all together without having worked out it all together in, a, in an organized situation? I don't know. And that's what we don't know about a lot of teams, about every team in the NFL. How well and how quickly will they come together once training camp starts, having not been together at all for the last four or five months? Amy, I'll start with you on this question. Uh, position groups that you are going to have your eye on going into training camp, whether it's quarterback, linebacker, secondary, what position group are you, are you paying attention to the most going into training camp this year? Ooh, well, you could say quarterbacks for, I mean, obviously Drew is Drew, but yeah. just seeing what Jameis can do back there, you know, compared to Tatum. The offensive line, we talked about that already with Cesar Ruiz and Eric McCoy. Um, on the other side, I know there are a million other position battles to watch, but I'm really interested at linebacker. I want to see how... Kiko Alonso is doing off of his injury. Alex Anzalone is doing off of his, his injury. Cade Nellis is doing off of his injury. And uh, how Zach Bond is fitting in there. I think that, obviously, you've got it locked down there with uh, Demario Davis and how will they fill in the loss of A.J. Klein. I just think there's a lot of interesting storylines there. Sure, it's not the sexiest of storylines, but there's a lot of different things going on there that uh, I'm interested in watching. It's 2020. We're over sexy. Sexy is, is <laughs> 2019. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Position groups that you're going to have your eye on? Well, quarterback is the obvious one, the backup quarterbacks. But, uh, and, and receivers always. We want to see how, how Emmanuel Sanders looks and, and how all the young guys, there's about 15 of them fighting for that last one or two roster spots. Uh, and, and you can always keep an eye on receivers in those non-padded practices when they're not tackling yet. They all look great. Um, but I think importance heading into the season, um, if they don't add to this pass rush at all, 
I think Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankin's health is going to be so important. We have seen those guys both look like first-round picks in the past, but we've also seen their careers be derailed by injuries. If those guys look healthy and ready to go week one, uh, I think that'll be huge for this. Um, I would say the one thing I'm looking at is, is the offensive line. Look, in the years past, the biggest problem, biggest problem when the Saints have had problems on offense and Drew Brees has struggled, it's when they get pressure out the middle and the uncertainty of who's going to play center, who's going to play right guard, it concerns me a little bit. Um, again, this goes back to not having any time to work out pre-training camp to see just how good Cesar Ruiz can be at center or at right guard. Um, so that concerns me right there a little bit, but I think it will come together eventually. And I'm with Mike. You know, they, they've got to get a better pass rush opposite of Cam Jordan. Man, we've been saying that for the longest. And we haven't seen the consistency over there. Um, what kind of player will Sheldon Rankins be? Will he be the guy that before he got injured and the guy that deserved a big contract once again, or will he just kind of be a non-factor? And Marcus Davenport, well, you see flashes from him every now and then, but it's never consistent enough. And so I still think there are a lot of question marks on that right side of the defensive line. Uh, but the, probably those are my two biggest things. I think everywhere else's team is really good. I think they're very solid. Um, secondary, I think it's solid um, back there. I, uh, but those, but offensive and defensive line in certain particular spots are my biggest concern. All right, well, we're recording this at noon, so I'll let Juan get to his pizza rolls and everyone else get to their lunch. Uh, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks to Amy, Juan, and Mike for joining me on today's New Orleans Saints podcast. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we'll have Saints General Manager Mickey Loomis's press conference uh, today at 5. If you catch the press conference after this afternoon, of course, it'll be available on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. Speaking of the Saints app, that is the best way to stay up to date with all things going on with your New Orleans Saints is to download the Saints app and turn on your notifications. That is the most effective way to stay up to date. You can also follow at Saints on social media. On Thursday, we will have a great guest for you on the show, Tom House. He is a former major league pitcher. He also uh, spent years training with Drew Brees back uh, in 2005 and has been his trainer ever, ever since. And he posted on Twitter the other day that he just wrapped up his last training session with Drew Brees. So we'll have Tom House on the show, uh, who I, I again mentioned is his throwing coach um, for both Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Nolan Ryan, a uh, different sport, but you know, same concept. <laughs> so we'll be speaking with Tom House on the show on Thursday. So you don't want to miss it. Again, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seat Geek. We'll see you on Thursday.